Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. And as I said earlier, um, I want to also offer huge kudos because we made it out of the book of, oops, we made it out of the book of Exodus, which, by the way, is 4.25 of the entire percent of the entire Bible. So you finished reading 4.25% of the entire Bible, or you heard preachers talk about 4.25% of the entire Bible. Either way, it's good. Wherever you are in your life, it's good. It's good. Um, and, and I just want to like take a moment for what an incredible milestone that is like you have heard now the entirety of the book of exodus from the very beginning talking about midwives all the way to the very end and of course if you're joining us um, and you haven't been part of this series we always have that archive on our worship page that you can click on the archive worship archive button on the bottom so like this is a really big deal because the book of Exodus is um, surely a, a huge, hugely important book in, within the Old Testament and within the Jewish tradition. Like Moses is kind of a big deal, okay? Uh, but also, like, it's a hugely important, can't be underestimated how important it is to understand the life of Jesus and, like, kind of the whole New Testament. So, like, this book is encapsulating a lot of the stories that is part of the imagination of Jesus as he kind of went around his ministry and of all of the folks who formed church afterwards. So I just want to like give positive affirmation that, that you're constructing something by participating in this community. You're constructing an understanding of what these stories are all about. Um, and I, I don't think that it says this exactly in the Greek, but I think that Jesus would say that Exodus is simply the best, better than all the rest. <laughs> Slash, I love Tina Turner and was so sad this week to uh, hear about her passing. I just want to name that Tina Turner passed away at, at 83 yeah, so I just want to name, like, Tina Turner is uh, simply the best. We're just going to take a quick pause. We're going to take a Tina break. Uh, so, like, let's just recognize for the fact that Tina Turner uh, faced a ton of adversity. She is a survivor of abusive relationships, and she was inaugurated into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice, not once, but twice, had a hugely successful career. Some of her most successful songs were released when she was uh, 45 years old into her career. And she like paved the way for so many people who came after her, including Beyonce, who like frequently credits Tina Turner as like a huge artistic influence. And so if, if it's kind of like Tina Turner did her thing so that Beyonce could come afterwards, it's like Exodus did her thing so that Jesus... You're getting okay. You were follow, we're following. We're stretch, stretch. Welcome to yoga. Welcome to Pastor Yoga. We're stretching. Okay, hallelujah. Um, no, but Exodus is a really, 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 really big deal. And just to review, over this past sermon series, we've been looking through different kind of tools or approaches for you to be able to read the Bible because we know that the Bible isn't always accessible to people who are new to it. And so we uh, we talked about lots of like questions that you can ask yourself to deepen your reading of the Bible so that you're not just uh, listening to 
like what uh, the new the people on the news say about the Bible, but that you can actually look at the text yourself and to be able to interrogate for yourself what really is the meaning of this text. And so we looked at a whole bunch of different questions. This is kind of the whole sermon series summarized. So uh, so here we go. So we uh, first, as a baseline, we established a baseline, uh, just looking at the things that you could um, gather from the biblical text just from kind of like your own observation. And so asking questions like, what does this say about people? Like, what, are, what is the story of this Bible saying about what it means to be a human being and what it means to live a human life? For you as a reader who's waking up with all the concerns, hopes, doubts, and dreams that you have in your life, like, what does it mean to be a person and how can this story shape that? Um, and, and then we talked about what does this say about God? Like, what is this text trying to communicate about God? Not assuming that everyone has a shared understanding of who God is or what God is about. What is this text trying to argue about God? What is the land telling us? Like, we, we talked about a spatial reading of the text. Do you remember this? And so it's like, not just like we're uh, thinking about these characters as floating in space, but what does it mean that Moses went up the mountain? What does it mean that Pharaoh went down to the river? What does it mean that these folks went across the wilderness? Like there's a spatial storytelling happening here that is really important. It's a really key device, especially in a lot of the Old Testamental texts. Uh, we ask questions like, how would this work if we assume God is all loving? <laughs> so like there's some, there's some uh, kind of messed up parts of, of the book of Exodus where it's like, from a modern lens, this feels troubling or concerning or like, I don't quite get this. And one of the skills we talked about is like, well, let's, as people of faith, let's assume that God is all good and all loving and wants us to all be free and whole. And then how does the rest of the, how can the rest of the story work if that is the case? So kind of uh, uh, trying to deepen in on that. And then we built on those skills and, and we talked about um, some more like some higher level thinking around and what is the structure of the story? We talked about um, if you're ever reading the Bible and it feels very repetitive, like, wow, we've just said this exact same thing again and again, that perhaps the repetition is trying to tell you something, that, uh, that sometimes there's repetition, but they change one word, and that's like to bring attention to the one word that has changed. you remember this? So, uh, so we talked about structure, and, uh, and then we talked a little bit more about like, um, trying to grasp what the cultural context is. So not so stepping out of just our own modernity and trying to think like, what was life like back then? What was important? What was the geopolitical situation? What were the values that were uh, relevant for that? And at that point, this is when we start to need like maybe some extra help where we're starting to read some biblical commentary. We're starting to read some scholars. We're starting to like look up some things, but not just not just a Google search and then reading Fred's Bible reading .net. Like, we're like, don't do that. <laughs> we're not about that. Like, we're, we're trying to <laughs> engage scholarly sources. Um, uh, and then uh, uh, we talked about this question of, uh, like, who wrote this and what matters to them? So Siobhan preached about how the Bible is written by people. The Bible is written by people who are inspired by God and have um, the most amazing stories about God's love. And we need the Bible 
but the Bible is written by people. So like understanding the people who wrote the Bible and understanding what mattered to them helps us to like start to understand like why are we reading what we're reading. And this even goes so far, we didn't get as into this in the sermon series, but like a lot of scholars believe that Exodus is not written by one person, but actually the compilation of many traditions kind of braided together. And so like we can kind of start to think about like the authorship is is like a lot of voices in a conversation trying to support and help each other and build uh, a culture and an imagination of God. Give me snaps. Are, are we vibing? Are we getting this? Where, okay, do you need me to explain them more? Okay, you got this. So, uh, and then we build on that and ask some really big questions. Like this is kind of zooming out questions of like, what does this mean for the most oppressed? Like what, uh, what does this story have to say to the people who are most oppressed in our society? Because as Howard Thurman says, if, the, if it's not good news for the person whose back is against the wall, then it's not good news at all. So it's kind of like, if this, is, if this gospel doesn't matter to the people who are suffering the most in our world, then we probably haven't gone deep enough into the text. So really trying to ask, like, what does this mean for the most oppressed? There are some things that come with that because like sometimes the good news for the most oppressed can actually be like weird privileged moments for the, the most powerful in society. So we always have to be like aware of our own power as we're reading this. Uh, we ask questions like, what human trappings are present in this text? Ooh, this is something that uh, uh, other, um, my, my, uh, my colleagues in Christ might be really mad at me for saying, but like, listen, the, the Bible's written by people and, and people have bounded understandings of, of what God and love and justice is. And sometimes folks kind of messed up. And, uh, and like, th that doesn't mean that the Bible isn't valuable. That doesn't mean that we don't need the Bible. That doesn't mean that Tyler Sitt didn't base his entire life off of the Bible. It just means like, hey, you know, like, uh, uh, um, the people who wrote this were conditioned to the same kind of trappings or cultural mores as, as any of us are. And that actually makes me love the Bible more, not less, because it means that God can speak such a powerful, potent, loving word, even to people who aren't perfect. And that's like really good. But what's not okay is to interpret the Bible in a way that justifies violence against people. And so, like, we kind of have to wrestle with this a little bit. And ultimately, what we landed on uh, with this, I think it was a couple weeks ago, two, last week, where what we landed on is, like, if we're going to say that we're Christian, and not just biblicist, but Christians, that means that we're following Jesus. And Jesus said that the greatest law, uh, the greatest of the law and the prophets is to love your neighbor as yourself and to love the Lord your God with all your strength, heart, soul, and mind. So, like... If our reading, no matter how deep our reading is, if our reading isn't resulting in loving our neighbor, ourself, and God more, you following? Then it's not actually a Christian reading of the text. It's like a different, it's something else, you know? Like, and, and, and there's value in something else. Like, if you want to be a biblicist, if you want to get, uh, if you want to uh, uh, read this as literature, if you want to read this as a historic document, whatever. But if we're going to be Christian, and we have to follow Christ. I don't know. <laughs> and Christ was like, I'm just going to simplify this down real tight for y'all. Uh, like neighbor, self, and God. If, 
if one of those three is uh, uh, losing out, if, if we're enacting violence against one of those three, then you got it twisted. And, and our work in reading the Bible is to try to untwist that. Um, okay, so, uh, so we talked a little bit about that. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm not going to read the comment section uh, when we post this to Facebook. It's fine. And, uh, and, then, <laughs> and, and then ultimately, the most important question is, like, how do we love better because of this? You know, like, <laughs> people didn't pass down these sacred texts on, like, these scrolls that are falling apart and people had to risk their lives to protect and pass on. People didn't, like like sacrifice so much to pass this text to you just so that you could like think about like, wow, what a nice, what a nice story. What a nice, that's such a nice character. Wow. Okay. Anyways, back to TikTok. You know, like the, the people who passed this on were like, this is a bigger deal than TikTok. Like this is a bigger deal than like the other stories that you're going to hear. Like God herself is saying something to you. And if we're, if this text isn't like uh, uh, cutting into your heart a little bit, then, then, then we're not really respecting the text for what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the text is here for your love training. And the text is here so that every time you return to it a little bit more, like an Olympic athlete training, that, that you might get some reps in for how to love better. And, and we honor the people who have gone before us and the people who go after us by learning to love a little bit better every time. Amen? Um, so, uh, so what does this story have to say about how we might love better? What does the last words of Exodus have to say to us right now that we might love better? Well, first of all, I want to name that... Um, like you kind of saw in the in the text, it's not like a a huge um, like they didn't really stick the landing, right? Like it wasn't like done. It was it was it's like all the all the little pieces aren't wrapped up all tidy. Like it's not like and then we rode off into the sunset and we never had any problems again. <laughs> like it, a lot of the characters still had like some ongoing things going on and and there was still conflict in the community. And I just think that, um, you know, obviously the book of Exodus is leading into the book of Leviticus, and there's like a real intention, I believe, at the end of this text to try to imply to you that the Israelite, for the Israelites, there's still a lot more story, and that means that for us, there's a lot more story. You know what I mean? So it's like we, we ended the book of Exodus, but we didn't end the story. We ended this particular literary body but but there's so but god is doing so much more still that god is going to continue to show up more so much so that people are going to spend a whole lot of scrolls and a whole lot of parchment to try to write more about what god is doing and that means that your story isn't done either and so what kind of whatever chapter of your life you're in whether you're like wow things are going pretty good i'm, I'm kind of liking how things are going or if you're like wow i feel like my life is a dumpster fire and everything hurts when I wake up in the morning. Like, there's a certain good news to find that your story's not done yet. That God is continuing to show up for you still. The story of Exodus ends with a pillar of cloud and fire. And did you catch what it said? It said that God was visible 
To who? To everyone. God was visible to everyone. Do you see the power of this? So rather than creating kind of this like, uh, uh, this hierarchy of religious ownership where people say that only certain people are uh, able to access God, these pillars are saying God is visible to everyone because no one's story is done yet. That the, that the God who gave guidance through the wilderness to these folks is going to continue to give guidance to them for the rest of their life and the next generation's life and the next generation's life. The God who gave guidance to these folks is giving guidance to you today. And, and as you're leaving this space, God, like a pillar of fire or cloud, is trying to invite you into the next step of your evolution. Like the song that we heard this morning, God's trying to make you over. Not in a, a shamey way. There's nothing defective or wrong about you. There's nothing to be afraid of within yourself. But more like, like God loves us so much and love transforms us. Love changes us. And if God's love is present, that means that we are going to be a changing people. There is nothing that can create change faster than love. Um, so uh, these pillars remind us of that. And it's no coincidence that uh, this sermon series is ending on uh, the holiday of Pentecost. Um, for those of you new to Christianity, uh, Pentecost is when we recognize uh, that after Jesus left, um, uh, a bunch of people from all over the world came together. And it says uh, kind of poetically that the Spirit of God descended upon every uh, every person, kind of wherever they were from, as if it was fire, like a tongue of fire. And all of a sudden, people were able to connect to each other and relate to each other in miraculous ways that the world had never seen before. And they were like, whoa, we should make a holiday off of this. Let's call it Pentecost, okay. And, and that's, the, that's the, the day of Pentecost. And I just think, like, let's now that we are Exodus scholars, now that you're familiar with this story, you can start to see some of the richness here because these are people who thousands of years ago had this story where God was showing up as a pillar of fire and then all of a sudden, thousands of years later, everyone is like, whoa, there's a tongue of fire in my heart because of what God is doing in building this community. Like, do you see how like, it's not just about fire being alive, it's about fire having ancestral echoes to saying like, hey, the same God who was doing stuff over there, the same God who freed people from slavery is freeing us from our bondages that is keeping us apart. The same God who was burning then is burning in your heart right now, trying to create community across difference. This Holy Spirit is real and present, not just to the religious elites, but to everyone, to you. The Holy Spirit fire is burning in your heart. And you don't have to, you have agency in the matter. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. You have a, a choice in how you steward the fire. But let, may you never believe that the Holy Spirit fire isn't there. <laughs> the, the stories are, are passed down thousands of years to be like, hey, I know that not all of you are going to feel like God's presence is real because life is really, really hard sometimes. Uh, uh, but we're just trying to tell you, 
again and again and again that the fire is there. And that doesn't mean that you have to uh, change before you're ready. That doesn't mean that you need to um, uh, um, conform to what a certain preacher is saying. But it does mean that the fire is yours to steward. That you are a firekeeper. That there is within your soul a certain light and heat that is guiding you forward. And you can choose to do whatever you want with it, but, um, but just know that the whole community is waiting for you to share your light and your heat. That the whole world will be made better when you can show God's love outwardly in the world. That, that if you feel a certain type of love that transforms you, that transformation can happen in our streets today. That's, that's the offering and the invitation, I should say. Um, that, that you recognize the fire within you, allow it to transform you in a way that only love can, and then show up to the world ablaze with love. Amen? Yes. Amen. Yeah.